Well, good morning. Um, if you've been following along with us, you may have expected to see a guest speaker today named Randy Isaacson, uh, or sorry, Randy Smith. He was a speaker that came last February, shared with us. He has a ton of scriptural and cultural knowledge, and he's just a blessing to have. Well, when his plane was headed this way, it got diverted due to mechanical issues on Friday, and they said, there is no way you're going to be in Indiana by Sunday. Due to the storms and everything else, um, it's not going to happen. So today, you're stuck with me. Um, and so my name is Nick Ramundo. I'm the administrative pastor here at Waypoint. Um, just so you know a little bit about me, one of my favorite things about this role is I get to work with incredible volunteers, lay leaders, staff members that have passion and vision for their ministry area. And so they're constantly creating ideas, coming up with stuff, and then I get to walk alongside them and support them and try to say yes to as many of their crazy ideas that they have so that we can continue impacting ministry and impacting our community. And so that's one of my favorite aspects because I get to work with incredible people just like all of you. And from time to time, I get to come up here and speak and share. And so today, that's what I'm doing. And uh, with COVID, thankfully, as a staff, we talked a little while back and said, due to changes, people getting sick, maybe winter storms, we probably should have something that we're going to call a pocket message at our ready. That's a message that each of us on staff kind of have in the back of our mind. We've planned it, we've prepared for it, and in a moment's notice, if one of us needs to get up here and speak or fill in, then we're prepared to do that. And so on Friday, I had a pretty good outline of what I wanted to talk about, but then over the weekend, I just allowed the Holy Spirit to try and develop some ideas. And I thought it would be fitting to use a saying from a famous theologian from the 1700s, John Wesley. One of his things that he would do, he also taught other preachers, was he said, at a moment's notice, you better be ready to preach, to pray, or to die. And no matter what's going on in your life, you better be prepared for those three elements. And John Wesley was a very, very wise guy. From a young age, he knew that he had a calling on his life. His mom was a teacher, his dad was a pastor, and he grew up learning Hebrew, learning Greek so that he could read the text. And the original context, he memorized large sections of the New Testament, and he was just very, very wise. So when he went to Oxford and graduated and continued teaching there, it was no surprise that he was impacting Christ's kingdom. However, with all that knowledge, with all that experience, John Wesley still felt like something was missing inside of him. He didn't know what it was, but he constantly prayed to Jesus and to the Lord to give him something, whatever it is that he's missing. What don't I understand about this? I don't feel like I'm enough. I feel like I'm lacking faith. And John was at a meeting in the late 1739s, and he was talking to a group of people about religion, and something happened in his heart. He got to the point where he realized what he was doing wasn't enough, and he wasn't on the right mission for the Lord. And he got excited. His heart turned on fire, and he realized there was more for him in this world than what he was currently doing. And what he decided to do was to fill a gap that was needed in the UK at that time. See, religion at that point was for the wealthy, for the elite, for people that had money. It was a notoriety type of thing. 
But the poor, common, working folk didn't have anybody that was preaching or teaching them, and they lived in terrible settings. They worked very hard, and they didn't have a whole lot going for them. John felt a calling on his life to go into those areas and to teach those people. He was mocked. He uh, risked his life. He had to take a step of faith in God, but he finally felt like he was understanding his calling. And so he was excited to do this. It was said that he would travel by horseback about 4,000 miles every year, just preaching and teaching around the countryside, around the towns, anywhere that anyone would listen. He was ready at a moment's notice to preach, to pray, or to die. And the way that he went about this was so methodically that people started calling him and his followers the Methodists. And that's how we have the denomination of the Methodists. Now here at Waypoint, we have no affiliation with John Wesley or the Methodist denomination. We're non-denominational. But that saying of being ready to preach, to pray, or to die has always stuck with me since I heard that. And I wondered, is there a way that you and I could be prepared in these three areas and in our life? And what does it look like in our world for us to do these things? It's a totally different setting than what he was doing, but is there any value to it? So if you're here this morning, you grew up in the Wesleyan church or you know much about John Wesley, I'm not trying to use his points or his theology. I'm trying to take what I think is a really good quippy quote and use it because I think it's easy to remember and I want to make it practical in our lives if there's anything for us to learn today. So let's go ahead and dive in and look at the first one. Now, when I say you should be ready at a moment's notice to preach, some of your skin may begin to crawl. You might say, there is no way that I am called to be a preacher or to teach or to share my faith. I can't do that. I'm not having those skills inside of me. And there may be some truth to that. I do believe God gave each of us different spiritual gifts. But what I also know is that we are called to share our faith. And so there are ways that you can practically preach to the people around you. And so I want to talk about those this morning. And I want to look at what does it mean for us to preach? Because I believe when we talk about this word preach, if we look at it from the view of somebody standing on the stage preaching and teaching, that can be very intimidating. But truthfully, preaching or to preach to somebody is simply to proclaim something as truth, to advocate for something, to try and get people to believe what you believe. Um, we preach all the time by the brands that we wear, the sports teams that we support, the organizations, the places that we work. We're trying to get people to understand, hey, this is a really good thing. Have you tried this? Have you been there? We had a great experience, and we think it could add value to your life. So for us, if we take that idea and we look at preaching from that stance, we've all exper experienced the love of Jesus Christ. And we know the good that it can do in our lives, and so we should be compelled to share that same good news with other people that we interact with. But when we live in a world that sometimes the loudest voices are preaching things that some of them are good, some of them are bad, whether it's you know, racial inequality, um, women's rights, voting rights, whatever it is, whatever side of the aisle you're on, people are constantly yelling at each other, you should do this or you should do that. And the Christian voice has kind of been muted over the years, and people don't necessarily look to the church for guidance as much anymore. They get caught up in their beliefs and what they feel is true. But what we know is that what they're missing is their message has no heart change. 
Our message provides an opportunity to change towards the Lord. It provides an opportunity for people to make actual, real-life decisions that are going to impact their families, their communities. And so our message is worth being out there. But how do we put it out there in a world that says, you know, the church is kind of outdated, it's irrelevant, it's full of people that just have a list of rules. And truthfully, they, they may not be that far off. The church has caused a lot of damage over the years in the name of preaching. There have been a lot of people. How many times have you seen on the news a pastor, whether it's a female or male, that's done some major moral failure, and everybody wants to blast it everywhere and say, see, look at what the church is doing. They say they're this good group of people, but look at what this person did, or look at what that person did, and they kind of justify why they are upset with the church. And I think part of that is because the church has used this word, preaching, to shame to guilt, to try and pull people into believing in Jesus in ways that aren't healthy. And so I think there's a balance into how we are called to preach to the people around us. And since this word preach is kind of scary, all I'm talking about is witnessing our faith to others so that people around us see that we're living to a different standard. See, we were called to do this in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, when the disciples are talking with Jesus and he calls them and he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Go, share this message that I gave you. You've been given the gospel. You've been given the good news. You know what life change is like. Now go out and share that with others. That same mission that the disciples were put on by Jesus, we are still on today, and we need to be prepared to preach. So how can we do that? What are some things that are practical that you and I could practice in our life in preaching and witnessing? I don't think it has to be this bold standing on your soapbox calling people um, to a different level. I think that there's ways that we can witness that maybe you would be a little more comfortable with. And so there's a lot of ways to preach and share the good news, but here are three things that I think you could make practical steps in your life. Number one, each and every one of you has a story. You have a story of how you lived your life before Jesus entered it, and then how you live your life after Jesus entered it. And maybe you're still walking along that path. Our stories are constantly growing, but we've made a ton of mistakes and sins even before Jesus was in our life, and now that he's in our life, we're still gonna mess up, but that all builds to our story, and your story has power in it, and you should be proud of your story. You shouldn't be filled with guilt or shame or feel bad or embarrassed because you have chosen to start to pursue a life after honoring God. And so what you're doing is you are working towards God. And so your story, you should know it. The first thing that you need to do is to know your story well. Know who you are. Why did you choose to follow after Christ? What does that mean and how does it look in your life? What are you going to do with this knowledge now that you know you're a Christ follower? How do you respond differently now that Christ is in your life than what you did before? You've got to know your story and know it really well because the second thing is you are going to be a light in this dark world. Your life is a witness to others. How you live, how you interact, how you treat your family, 
people are going to see that and they're going to be drawn to it. And so you don't have to go around preaching, God is so great, you need to follow him. You simply show people by the way that you interact with others. And I believe that if you know your story, and if you're living in a way that Jesus has called us all to live, then the last one will naturally come. And it's the toughest one, but it's to be obedient. At some point in your life, you're going to feel a little Holy Spirit tickle inside your stomach, and you're going to know, oh crap, I need to go talk to that person, or oh gosh, I need to pay for this person's groceries, or I need to go over and offer to snow blow my neighbor's drive, or I need to do this, or I need to do that. That's the Holy Spirit prompting you to do something. And in those moments, if we want to be prepared to preach, we need to be obedient to that and to step out in faith. Sometimes it's just us showing God, hey God, I trust you. I'm going to poke my head around this gas station tank and say hello to the person pumping on the other side. Or I'm going to ask the waitress how their day is going. And sometimes it will just be very casual interaction. But other times it may provide an opportunity for them to say, you know what, my life is really tough right now. I just lost my job. My family's falling apart. I don't know what to do. Will you help me? And you'll have an opportunity, if you know your story, to be able to share the elements and parts that relate to them. Because your light in this dark world, and that right there, there is power in our ability to preach. And so God has called each of us to be willing to share our stories, to be the light in this dark world, and to be obedient when the Holy Spirit prompts us. But the only way that we can do this and be successful in this is if we're comfortable with the next one, and that is prayer. Now, for some of us, we all have a different relationship with prayer. Some of us pray often. Some of us are uncomfortable and don't understand why would I even waste my time with prayer. Some of us are willing to pray silently with ourselves. Others are willing to pray with their families. Some would pray publicly. Others of you, if I said, hey, we need you to stand up and pray, you'd walk out of here right now because you'd be so fearful. And that's okay. We're all at different places in our prayer life. But what we should spend some time on is focusing why is prayer important and how can we utilize it in our life. See, there was a study done by Pew Research and it said 63% of Christians pray daily and out of that 63%, 55% of Christians rely on prayer when tough times come. Prayer is something that all of us were called to, yet about 60% of us are practicing using it and believing in it. And I think part of that is because we might not fully understand what prayer is and the power behind prayer or why we would even pray. See, when Jesus was growing up, he grew up in a Jewish culture and he was taught a whole bunch of different stuff. But part of what he was taught was prayer was something that you did routinely and repetitiously. And so you would have morning prayer, you would have middle of the day prayer, you'd have evening prayer. On the Sabbath, you would have even more prayers that you would do. And so it was very known, it was very normal for them to pray. And so everybody that was a religious follower just did it. It was what they were called to do. But for us in our culture, we've gotten away from that a little bit. And truthfully, there's probably some goodness in that because I don't know how fun prayer would be if you were required to pray the certain way or about these certain things. Instead, we have freedom to view prayer a little bit differently. And thankfully, Jesus modeled how we can pray um, and why we should pray. 
And I think that there's a number of different elements as to prayer and why it's important for us, but I think it may have gotten misunderstood. So the best way that I can describe prayer is I want you to think about a family member or a best friend, somebody that you are closest to, and have that person in mind and think that you went out to dinner and you were sitting at a table with them and you just had an opportunity to share with them. You get to share everything that's going well about your day. You get to be thankful to them about their friendship. Maybe you want to vent about bad things that are going on and ask them, hey, how can I or what should I do in this situation? Maybe you need to tell them, hey, I really messed up and I yelled at my kids this morning and I need to ask for their forgiveness. What do you think I should do? Or maybe you've been harmed and hurt and you need somebody to come alongside you and say, hey, you've got to let this go. This idea of a conversation with a very, very close advocate or family member or friend is how God wants us to view prayer. It's just a conversation with your best friend where they want to hear, he wants to hear everything about your day. He wants to hear how good things are going. He wants to hear about the bad stuff. He wants to walk alongside you and at times provide answers to your prayers. He wants to be there for you. But the only way that you can get better or more comfortable with prayer is by actually finding time and sitting down and doing it. Now, one thing that I've heard in the church over the years is that, well, you know, If there's a bad situation going on, you just need to pray about it and it'll get better. And if it doesn't, well, maybe you just truly don't believe or maybe you truly don't have the faith. I want to be very clear. Here at Waypoint, we do not believe that. We believe that God does answer prayers. Sometimes it takes years. Sometimes he answers them in ways that we don't think um, he should have answered them. But he does answer our prayers at some point and in some way because he has a good and perfect plan. But his plan doesn't always line up with ours. But even though he may not answer all of your tough situations you're going through, we are still called to go to him with our struggles with our fears. And see, Jesus instructed us, he instructed the disciples as to how they should pray because what was going on was there was a group of people that were religious leaders that enjoyed praying out loud um, in the synagogues and in the street corners. And they did it as a social status symbol of how holy I am. Look at me, I'm praying on the street corner. And so Jesus referenced this and he warned the disciples and said, don't, don't pray like they pray. Um, In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, he says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. See, he was saying their purpose of prayer was so that others would know how holy they were. So people saw that, they rewarded them, and that's all that they were going to get out of it. But truly, I tell you, When you pray, go into a room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the babbling pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. And then he goes on to instruct how we should pray, and it's the Lord's Prayer. Um, What Jesus was saying in those moments was, when you go to pray, It's just a practical conversation with the best friend. 
There's no right way to pray. There's no wrong way to pray. You don't have to recite all this scripture. You don't have to be this holy person. You don't have to make it last 30 minutes. You don't have to make it last five minutes. All that you need to do is just spend time with God. And don't be afraid to ask him to come alongside you, for he knows what you already need. So in Luke chapter 4, when he says, the, or he recites the Lord's Prayer at that point, um, there's some key things that he says you should pay attention to and you should pray for. And so I want to make sure that I read those this morning. It's, and this is an abbreviated version that's on your screen from the Lord's Prayer that many of you probably know. But our Father in heaven, how will be your name? Basically saying, give God the glory. Talk about how holy he is. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Allow God to know that God, I trust you. Your name is holy. I trust you. Whatever your plan is, I'm comfortable with. Give us today our daily bread. God, I trust you to give me what I need to survive. Forgive us of our debts. Lord, forgive me for the things that I've done wrong. And forgive the people that have hurt us. See, Jesus wants to walk alongside you. They gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit and be an advocate on your behalf. But in order for us to have him advocating for us, we have to pour into that relationship. There's not a whole lot of relationships out there that last when you don't communicate with each other. Prayer is our way to communicate with God. And so if you're sitting here today and you're not sure how to begin or you're uncomfortable with prayer, there's a few practical steps that I would like to leave you with that I think you could start doing today that would help. Number one, you have to find a set time and length of time every day that you're going to be committed to praying. So maybe for you, that is the last five minutes on your drive home from work. You need to get your heart set right because you know you're going to be dealing with your kids and your family. You want to decompress. You want to give God everything that happened that day and so that you can stay connected with him. Maybe it's the first five minutes before you go into work because you know you're going to be dealing with a whole bunch of yahoos and you don't know how you're going to get through work without the strength of God. Maybe it's in the middle of the day. Maybe it's at night before you go to bed. For me, I'd be snoring two minutes in, so I can't do that. But for you, you have to find the right time and length of time, and I think five minutes is a great starting point. Then all you have to do if you're like, I don't know what to pray about. I don't know what to do. One, Talk to God about his glory. Thank him for everything that he's done for you. Two, talk to him about the plan that he has for your life. You know, Lord, do you, do you want me to take this new job? Do you want me to marry this person? Do you want me to try out for the sports team? Whatever it may be, just talk to God about the plan for your life. Ask for forgiveness. Say, God, I really messed up, and I need you to forgive me, and I need you to tell me, how should I respond? Do I need to go talk with this person and make things right? Where should I go from here? Maybe you need to uh, unload something bad that happened to you, and you need to say, God, I've carried this anger for long enough. I'm giving this to you. I have forgiven this moment. I've forgiven this person. I am moving on. No longer can I carry the pain in this situation. And also... Pray to him about your future, his protections, and what he's provided for you. Say, God, I, uh, I'm dealing with this tough situation. I don't know how to get through it. I need your strength. I'm dealing with this family member who's sick. I'm dealing with this death that I'm walking through of a loved one. Whatever it may be, be willing to have the conversation with God. And then the last few minutes, Blair talked about this in our busyness series that we just finished. Be silent. 
Find a couple of minutes to just quiet your spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you. We are so busy with so much going on. I believe that in five minutes, you could go through all of this and still give God two or three minutes where he just speaks truth into your life. But it does take practice to become a habit, but it is worth doing. In fact, Martin Luther, the guy who stapled the theses to the church wall, once said, I spend the first three hours of my day in prayer because the rest of my day is so busy. What he was saying is the only way that I can get through the rest of the day, the busyness, the good work that he needed to do was if he spent three hours in prayer preparing his heart, connecting with the Lord, and growing. And I believe that's true for us too. The only way that we can live a life that honors God is if we spend time getting to know God first. And so I would encourage you to try some of these elements over the next few days and see how does your prayer life change? What is your prayer life like? If it's something you're completely uncomfortable with, I get it. But you got to start somewhere, and I think this could be a good place. Now the first two, preaching and praying, you could easily put a staple in the ground today and say, I'm going to get better at these. I want to work on these. I think they're worth it in my life, and I have value to them, so I'm going to focus on it. The last one, you kind of got one shot at this, and it's death. We're all going to die at some point, and it's going to happen, and it's not really a crowd pleaser or something that's fun to talk about. There's a lot of fear surrounding death. And so I just want to spend a couple of minutes because I do think as followers of Christ, it's important for us to talk about this. In fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2, it says it's better to be in a house of mourning a sad place, than a house that's feasting. For death is the destiny of all of us, and the living should take heart or know this. See, there's even a warning in there that us as living should pay attention to this, that we should know death is coming at some point. Hopefully for all of us, it's a really long ways away. We have a whole bunch of fun stuff to do with our family, but it is something that you should spend some time reflecting and thinking on. See, I can't think of a better gift that you could leave your family in death than the assurance that you had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when death comes knocking, you want to make sure that your life is aligned and that your heart is set right. And there's a lot surrounding this topic. I know that it can be discomforting. I know it can be uncomfortable to talk about. I know that it's not very fun. But the truth is, just this past weekend alone, we had two visitations for people connected to Waypoint um, through family members that we went to. It's a part of our life, but it's a part that doesn't get a whole lot of attention. But I think that there's freedom in the way that we view death because of the way that we live our life now. We know who we put our hope and our trust in. And because of that, we can live a life that is honoring to God in a way that allows us not to fear death. Doesn't mean we have to look forward to it. Doesn't mean that we have to ask it to come anytime sooner. But we don't need to be afraid of it because death has already been conquered when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. The sting of death does not need to be there because we know that those loved ones that knew Jesus Christ personally, 
it wasn't the end for them. It was only the beginning of their new life. And at some point, it will only be the beginning of our new life as well. And it's scary because we don't know what that looks like. But what we can do is we can lean into God and we can trust him. See, some people in the world that we live in, and you know them, are living for everything here earthly. The fame, the fortune, the money, um, the status, all of that type of stuff, because they believe that this how many ever years they're blessed with is it. And so they're going to accumulate as much as they can. But the truth is when that's your focus and that's your passion, you are not living for the right reason. So you may acquire some of those things, but your vision and your purpose for life has to be focused on Jesus Christ and has to be fo focused on how you are living now so that you can die well. I know that's really weird to think about and to say, but we are called to die well by knowing Christ and live, leaving that assurance to our family. And God gave us an opportunity to practice this. See, Jesus told the disciples, as some of them questioned, should I follow you or shouldn't I follow you? He said, leave the worldly life that you live behind you Pick up your cross daily and follow me. You must die to yourself. You must die to your own desires. Die to the worldly things around us so that you can truly live. And that's what we have to do. We have to surrender ourselves to Jesus, accepting his salvation so that we can truly know what it means to live in this world and to leave a legacy worth leaving even our biblical heroes faced death. Um, fortunately for us, majority of them faced a pretty rough death. If you look at Peter, he was crucified. Thomas was speared. Paul was beheaded. And it continues on and on. The disciples and followers of Jesus were martyred because they weren't afraid to preach or to pray. But because of that, they meant they died a gruesome death. For you and I, our death probably will not be like that. But it doesn't mean that we don't have value in the way that we live here today. See, I think the best way that we can focus on death or a healthy way is to realize that the first thing we have to do is wherever we're at on the path, and I know we're all at different places, is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Once you acknowledge who he is, that's the very first step as you continue to live in a way that's worth dying. Then you live differently because of that decision that includes your prayer life, that includes preaching to others, and lastly, you are willing to witness to others. See, I think we accept Christ, we live differently, and then we allow others to see that light in our life. And if you look at this, what we talked about today was first, you need to be willing to preach, to pray, and to die. The reason that you preach and you pray is because you know at some point death is coming and you want to get that in the right order. But the reason that when it comes to death, we know that that's coming, we have to pray and we have to preach so that others know what is coming. See, we are called to be bold in our faith. And I think we can do this even in a dark and lost world. You just have to be willing. I have to be willing, as hard as it is, to witness to others to pray and stay connected to God and be prepared to die. I'm going to ask the band to come up. They're going to sing a song um, by a band, and it's called The Fullness of God is the Song. 
And in this song, you're going to hear a number of different elements that's trying to reflect on, do we fully understand the fullness of God? How do we live differently once we understand the fullness of God? And if we could understand all that, what would it look like in our life? And so what I want to challenge you right now is that while you listen to these lyrics, while you reflect on this song, think about these three elements. Which element are you most afraid of? Are you afraid to witness to people? Are you afraid to pray or are you terrified of death? And I want you to think about those and then I'm going to come up and I'm going to conclude as we pray through each of those elements.